This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Just me this time, Robin, because unfortunately Ollie is still on his soul-searching mission, um, alone in the Himalayas, and Arn has had the unfortunate event of his, having his computer completely break down. But thankfully, I'm being joined by a more than able, more than able guest to, to fill in their shoes, Sarah Flam. Hey everyone, how's it going? Happy to be here. Happy to have you, happy to have you. Um, and... Uh, we're both going to 16 Carat, and that's what we're going to be talking uh, about this episode. And I imagine we're both very excited because it's 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 close now. We can taste it. Yeah, I just saw Taz put up a tweet before we start recording, just saying 10 days. And I'm like, how is it only 10 days? It's so exciting. I think like this is what everyone waits for. Like this is this is the event of the year, I suppose, for us Europeans and. You know, you see everyone getting really excited for WrestleMania weekend and the, I think, 500 shows that are on that weekend, but we get a nicely condensed few shows stretched over four days, which is really nice. Yeah, and we don't have to contest with travelling all over New York to go between the, the many different arenas they're running this time. It's all, all nicely condensed in beautiful Oberhausen, the, the real mecca of wrestling. Oh, yeah. I don't think New York even compares. Who needs Madison Square Garden when you have the Turbine and Hall anyway? Yeah, the, the the Colt Temple is the real place to be. That's, <laughs> that's what it's all about. So, for, just in case we have relatively new listeners, um, the 16 Karat Gold Tournament is an annual tournament run by WXW. I, uh, I should have probably looked this up beforehand, but they've been running it for a long time. I, I don't have any specifics, but it, it, it goes way back. Um, and this edition is particularly stacked. Um, they have they run the tournament, um, you know, 16 carat. It's 16 men, a single elimination tournament over the course of three days. And over the years, the weekend has kind of built up and up and up. Uh, and you've had more and more shows run around the the three main tournament shows, um, which has kind of built up the the weekend into kind of. I guess almost a mini WrestleMania weekend for Europe, as as we were putting it earlier. So the tournament shows are on March 8th, 9th and 10th. Uh, The the weekend actually kicks off on the Thursday with an inner circle show, which takes place at the WXW Wrestling Academy, which is kind of probably the most intimate wrestling experience you'll get all year. You're... Even like the person at the back of the arena can probably lean forward and just about touch the mat. It's like 50 or 60 people crammed in um, and, and just having a, a hell of a time uh, to kick off the weekend. Midway through the weekend, you have um, 
a lunchtime show on the Saturday, which is Ambition. We're up to the the 10th edition of that one. Uh, And that's a a shoot-style tournament. Uh, I think I'm right in saying it's an eight-man tournament. Uh, One, two, three, four, five, six. Yep, eight. I can count. Go me. (laughs) And immediately following that, because the Saturday is always, like, wrestling, like, every second available and a few more full filled with wrestling these days um you have wrestling deutschland 2 um which is a special mix of a lot of the the lesser known german promotions and then also wrestling cult are running their their own show along the weekend um they're, they're a smaller promotion who who run in um also in oberhausen which is where where the whole weekend takes place and over the years like it 16 Carat, ever since I've become, like, aware of European wrestling, it's always been a thing that, like, talked about as as being this great experience that a few people go to every year. But in the past few years, it's really grown for, you know, both in general, in that they this year they've, they've had to move to the a, a bigger hall in the Turbinhalle, so they're expecting record crowds, I, I believe. But also, especially among the British and Irish contingent, it seems every year like the the amount of people who go doubles. Yeah, I mean, like my first experience last year, um, like there is about twenty people from Ireland that went, and I think we have to be in debt to Alan Forel and then my lovely uh, Sarah and Sarah co-host Sarah Forel um they just bigged it up so much saying that if you you have to go to Carrot to experience it firsthand that just the production value the wrestling just the whole weekend in general is just top notch and I think the, the amount of people coming from Ireland is even doubling for this year like I have people messaging me asking me for tips you know like where do I go like even how to get there from Dusseldorf from the train and it's it's definitely something now that people really feel like they're missing out on if they're not going. You can kind of see the regret on Twitter, especially with some of the announcements that have been made, that they're going to miss out big time. And it's it's something that's it's a destination for wrestling now, and nothing compares to it. Yeah, I think it's one of those things where it's grown exponentially because every person who goes has such an amazing time. They tell two people, they convince at least one other uh person they they come along and it just spreads from there uh, and we're at the point now where um traditionally we we used to always have like all the british and irish go over and have a meal um usually on the sunday and and initially we'd be you know we'd take up maybe two tables for for world tag league i think we took over pretty much half a, an entire restaurant uh, and for this carrot I'd <laughs> we might have to spread across multiple restaurants. It's it's got that big. Yeah, I don't think we're gonna even be able to fit in one picture. We always like get like a nice, lovely picture afterwards. That's not gonna happen this time because there's just too many people, and it's definitely gonna be feel like an invasion of sorts. Uh, just the amount of British and Irish going over, and yeah, I don't know. I don't think Alex is gonna be able to contain us. They're barely able to contain us at tag league. Mhm. Mhm. Uh, it's it's going to be a hell of a time. Um, let's let, let's get to the tournament itself, which is kind of the forms the core of the entire weekend and the the reason why we're we're all here. So I'll just run through the the sixteen participants. So we've got Mark Davis, 
Daisuke Sakamoto, Avalanche Robert Dreisker, Shigehiro Irii, Volta, Axel Dieter Jr., Ilya Dragunov, Pentagon Jr., Zero Miezo, Zero M, whatever you want to call him, uh, Timothy Thatcher, Ray Phoenix, Chris Brooks, Jern Simmons, David Starr, Ray Horace, Lucky Kid, and, um, oh, and Marius Alani, who is not on that graphic, and I, I, I madly <laughs> scrambled for there, realising I'd only said 15 names. Um, it, it's quite the lineup. Uh, who, who are you most looking forward to seeing, who perhaps you haven't seen, who's announced for this tournament, Sarah? I suppose I've actually been lucky enough to see most of this card, uh, without even leaving Ireland. But I think the biggest name for me is Daisuke Sekimoto. Um, an absolute legend, obviously from Japan, and has a storied history in WXW. And I think him coming back for this tournament, I think it was a 10 years, just over 10 years since he first participated in 16 Carat. That's going to be a big one for me. I think he's going to be so impressive, his style. And then he's going to be against Ilya Dragunov in the first round, which I think is going to be the pick of the tournament. Um, He's just incredible, and I've heard he's an absolute lunatic as well. Uh, maybe, I suppose, aside from wrestling. So just to be around him for the weekend is going to be an absolute hoot. Yeah, yeah. It's. Uh, I really hope he comes bowling, because I feel like he could be amazing at it. Just strike every time, just through the, the sheer power of it all. He, If he bowls, he's going to be my partner. <laughs> So I'm really hoping that he shows up. You've if not, him ahead I'm, of time I'm, by getting that yeah, early win in. Of course. If he doesn't show up, I'm snookered, but we'll see. Uh, you're quite good. You'll, you'll probably still manage to beat a few teams on your own, just doubling <laughs> their score. Um, uh, well, I won't get too cocky. We'll see. It, it didn't work out brilliant for you last time. You got a little unlucky with, with the draw, but, you know. Personally, I... I'm particularly fascinated by by the sheer blend of people you've got here. You've, you've got such a wonderful variety and really, really across um, a lot of different promotions that you wouldn't usually see interact too much. So you obviously got uh, Sekimoto from Big Japan, but then you've also got uh, a guy like Mark Davis, who is, you know, tangentially linked to New Japan. You see him wrestling a lot of those guys in Rev Pro. Uh, you've got a lot of the you know, the core WXW kind of domestic roster. Um, but it's it really got to the point this year where it feels like every guy who is it from the, the core core WXW roster who's in this tournament now feels like they're a real threat to win it. Like in, in past years, you'd kind of have the sense that one or two of them are perhaps making up the numbers. But you look and you've got um, Avalanche, who... I've been saying for the last few years of 16 Carat, he's he's due a big run, and it hasn't quite happened yet, but I'm going to keep predicting it until it happens. You've got Volta, who is obviously kind of the, the ace of WXW, whether he's got the championship or not. He's kind of the first guy I always traditionally think of when I think of the German promotion. Uh, you've got Dragunov, who obviously won the tournament, what, two years ago now? Uh, and yep. That. yep, two years. Um, and you know, since then has been a huge part of WXW and he's obviously got the, whether official or not, like connections to WWE UK already in, 
in the balance. And speaking of which, you've got um, Axel Dieter Jr. returning, a man with huge connections to, to WXW, you know, basically came up there, was a huge part of the, the promotion, what, three or four years ago before he was signed. And this is, uh, he had his big return at the end of last year and got a huge pop when it was announced that he was going to be in the tournament. Then you've got Thatcher, who's his ring camp partner, along with Volta, um, who's, a, who's another guy who... It, it's not uncon- inconceivable at all that he could win win the tournament. And then you've got a guy like Yearn, who's been the champion, could easily have a run. And then Lucky Kid, who's been built up so well. Um, maybe not every single booking step along the way has been perfect, but it, in terms of him getting over, him creating a, a connection with the, the fans, um, really he's he's gotten himself over to a level where... When he first came into the company, very few people knew him. Now, if he did make the final, I wouldn't be completely shocked. That's that's how how well they've managed to elevate him. Um, and I think that's that's a very exciting thing going in because I think it really adds to the unpredictability of the entire tournament. Having all those WXW core guys who could easily win, it just means almost every match is going to be be in doubt. Yeah, definitely. Even just on. That lucky kid point at you know 18th anniversary, obviously through injuries to other people that like it was Deputy David Starr against Absolute Andy, and unfortunately David Starr was injured, so lucky kid then slotted into that title match. Like the way that crowd was that night, I was lucky enough to be there. They were so behind lucky kid. If he won that night, like I don't think questions really would be asked with just how much he elevated himself and showed that he could be in that main event level. So someone like him winning 16 carat, especially a year on after the shock win of Absolute Andy, I think we very well received, especially I think the crowd is in need of, you know, a good baby face win after all the, the heels winning the past few tournaments. Yeah, definitely, definitely. There's... um a lot of people came away from World Tag League, uh, World Tag Team League, and while like most people would have said, well, the wrestling on display was was tremendous, the way the whole weekend ended was kind of bummer after bummer after bummer, and you know that's that, that's okay. Uh, CMJ obviously um, came up. Oh, what was the phrase exactly? Um, oh yeah, oh. you can't have rice pudding every day uh, <laughs> or for every meal or something like that, and it was. Uh, it, was, it was his way of saying, like the the baby faces getting their big wins feel all the more special when they don't always come. Um, and you know that's kind of his booking philosophy. And obviously he's transitioned away somewhat um, in in recent times. But you do feel that we're we'd use some rice pudding if to to follow the metaphor a little. Oh, we're craving it something terrible. And, like, there's so many people that we could give it to. I mean, Timothy Thatcher, the reaction to him in last year's tournament and that captivating promo that he recorded. Uh, to see him go that, you know, few steps further this year, I think, would be a big hit for the crowd as well. Um, you can kind of see he's kind of breaking away from ring camp. He says that he's going to go out and, you know, everyone else thinks for themselves and do things for them. Well, it's time for him to go out and do things for him 
And Timothy Thatcher is a guy who, like Germany is his home, uh, a guy who, you know, really has made a name for himself in this part of the world and is adored by fans all over. I mean, the response to him at shows now is something I never thought I'd hear. So, again, that's a big, big name that I'm going to be looking out for in this tournament. I suppose he's against Lucky Kid in the first round. So that's two big, you know, fan favorites going to go out early. But Thatcher's one of those guys. He's either going to go out the first round or he's going to go all the way, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you can kind of say that for, for quite a few guys. Um, like the, I think David Starr is an obvious candidate for that. He's, since he was uh, announced of yet again facing Volta in the first round in their, another, um, uh, another instance in their epic series where Starr has lost every single time. He came out there, got, got the chance to choose his, his first round opponent, pick Volta, and it, it that was a bit of a shock for me personally, because I was thinking maybe that was going to be the final for, for this year, because it does feel like it's got to the point where David Starr has got to the point where he do, next time he does face Volta, maybe that is the time. He's lost so many times. Eventually, you'd, you'd figure he's going to win, but it being in the first round seems a bit... It, it's interesting, because it's like, if he wins that and then doesn't win the tournament... It, it creates a weird dynamic because he's he's got his biggest victory and yet has still managed to fail off of it. But then on the, the other side of things, if he beats Volta in the first round and then he keeps on and you know goes on to win win the tournament and win the final, what ends up being the the bigger win? Is it the the victory against Volta? Is it the the tournament final win? Do they kind of um, blur against each other it's gonna it's gonna create an interesting dynamic and it would almost not shock me to just have volta you know yet again <laughs> slam star down chop him five million times in the chest and say no you you can't beat me when are you gonna learn it's it, it's a captive another captivating first round match that one yeah i'm just imagining walter beating him in like two minutes and just everyone's being like oh 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 okay Oh, right then. Right. Well, <laughs> really, that we should have seen it coming, going. but. No, uh, yeah, David Starr is definitely going to be a big story over this weekend because he got to the finals last year and everyone was so dead set that he was going to win just because no one saw absolute Andy coming, I suppose. Um, and I think the crowd, like, I think it's now or never for him. I, I like he's at his peak, I think. And he's had such an impressive year, I suppose, away from WXW. He's coming back in and he's better than ever. Like he's on top of people's wrestler of the year lists already with his work and other promotions. So this is going to be a big tournament for him. I suppose even spreadsheet wise, if you want to look at it that way, if he wants to go deep. Yeah, definitely. Like, um, they've done such a magnificent job so far of, it was always a problem in, in classic Ring of Honor in that Gabe would probably have a tendency to hold off a little bit too long to finally crown his up-and-coming babyface. Um, the, the obvious example being, like, Tyler Black probably waited a bit too long, and then by the time he actually gave him the title, it was almost too late. Um, it, it wasn't Gabe at, at that point, but you could almost say a similar thing for David Richards. Um, by the time he actually got there, the, the crowd had almost... 
started to um, to ease off on on their love for him. Um, and you'd you'd almost think, looking at it from the outside in, without having experienced it, that Star would be in a similar position because you know he's he's been that guy who who seems on the precipice for so long and yet hasn't got there. And yet WXW have done such a good job of giving him things to do to keep it all compelling, um, like the the way they kind of diverted him off to yearn um, for a while and had that magnificent blow-off match at uh, World Tag Team League. Um, and then con- having that continued rivalry with Volta without it ever feeling stale. Um, but there is always that risk of you do want to strike while the iron is hot and maybe this is the time. Looking at some guys that we haven't really given much talk to yet, um, let, let's talk about uh, Shigehiro Iri, because he, he's a guy who's come over to Europe, kind of started to base himself here in the last, what, six months or so, and has kind of become a, a regular in Germany. Um, probably the most noticeable thing or uh, noteworthy thing he's done since he's been here is the... Um, his feud with Bobby Guns that he's had it over in Germany. Yeah, definitely came into the promotion with a bang with an absolute stunner of a match at 18th anniversary. And Bobby Guns nearly at his peak in uh, popularity. And everyone thought, you know, just coming off the back of a great few matches, you know, with a new guy coming in, people probably would have thought that Bobby Guns would have, you know, just defeated him and another, you know, tick and, Bobby Guns' box, but no, he has made such an impression in WXW and I think quickly becoming a fan favourite for his dynamic moveset and he's just so, so good. Um, and I think he's definitely going to be, you know, one to look at for this tournament. Uh, because, yeah, Bobby Guns got that last win over him, but he's still got two wins over him. Um, and I think they got better as they went along. I think their last match that they had with, you know, Bobby really kind of getting his mind straight and, you know, facing up to Erie like that. Mm-hmm. Definitely one of the, the best ones of the, of the three. Um, yeah, he he's a guy who I would really like to see him. There's a lot of guys I'd really like to see him mix up with here because while he's been in Germany for a while now, there's a lot of really fresh matchups here. Like, I would love to see an eerie uh, avalanche match. Who's he got in the first round? I should... I should uh, uh, Chris Brooks. Chris Brooks. So, I'm hoping he wins that one, because there, there's a lot of guys... Like, him versus Yearn sounds really good. Him versus Avalanche sounds amazing. Um, if Ilya makes it through, that would be another fun match there. Um, hell, even, you know, throw him in versus Sakamoto, and... I feel like that's a match that might have happened in the past, but I can't recall it. But I I see those two having styles that work really well together. Um, there, there's a lot of really intriguing matches if he does does make it through. Yeah, I'm I'm probably one of the highest people on Brooks that you'll you'll find around, but I just can't see Brooks making it through. I think Brooks is in there to be the steady hand with Irie and you know get a good match out of him before going into the next round where he's going to elevate himself up a notch. Yeah, Brooks is like the perfect guy to have in like the the second and the the third day tag matches because you know as he's a, he's a good singles wrestler, but I think he's a great tag team wrestler, and he has a, an amazing ability to gel with new partners so quickly that you could you could easily see him 
being one of the the stars of the weekend, even even with being eliminated in the first round. Yeah, definitely. Like, I mean, there's plenty of people there in this field. Like, if lucky kids around, obviously they've been a team and different companies, they can easily put those two together against maybe like JFK or something later on in the weekend. Looking at the uh, the trio of luchadors that they've they've brought over, um, I think that it's, it, it's something me and Arm mentioned quite a lot, but it's it's a real difference between the, the the German scene and the the British and Irish scene that I think is easy to forget as a British and Irish person um, who is you know in many ways spoiled with the wrestling we get on a, a daily almost daily basis at this point uh, and all the all the flyings we get because um, I remember at sixteen carat these three guys being announced and the you know a lot of the British and Irish guys kind of shrugging it off and being like, yeah, yeah, we see them all the time. But the German crowd went absolutely nuts because it's, it's almost easy to forget that they don't get to see um, Phoenix live all the time. They don't get to see Pentagon live, um, Horus live. I think they've, they've come in maybe once or twice, but it's obviously um, uh, they were they at World Tag Team League. Um, but it, it, it is a big deal uh, for them. Uh, and they're almost... They, they they still have that kind of special feel that they've maybe lost slightly in the UK just because they've they've been here more regularly. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Phoenix and Pentagon were originally announced for 16 Cara last year, and obviously due to Lucha Underground commitments, it was just Pentagon. It was three of them, two of them. Um, due to Lucha Underground commitments, they were unable to participate, and they were replaced with other people so to see them now be able to come in and do some singles matches especially phoenix who has been on an absolute tear on pentagon they were special at world tag team league but now getting to see them do their own thing is big thing for the crowd and they're so overtly popular especially at tag team league you could see the reaction they got just the aura that they brought and it's something different to the tournament like you said and, and ray horace isn't someone that i'd be o- overly familiar with probably just got to see him in a few PWG matches. So I'm really looking forward to seeing what he's going to be able to do. And he's going to be against Phoenix in the first round. So you know that those two are going to be so comfortable with each other and they're going to, that's definitely a sleeper match. I think it's not, it's probably not going to be on the radar going in, but afterwards it's kind of one of the ones you look back on and go, that was actually pretty damn good. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh it's something that PWG do a lot in that the, the first time into the company, they often for a bowler, the first round is made up of a lot of matches that the wrestlers are very comfortable with. They're working with someone who they're very familiar with before later in the tournament. It's kind of a, a big clash of styles. And that's what, you, what you're getting with Phoenix uh, and Horace there. And that that should be that, that, that As you say, that does have uh, potential to be a real sleeper match. Who else have we not given good talk to? Uh, we kind of glossed over um, Dieter Jr. as so I was talking through a lot of the, um, the the German and continental European talent that kind of makes up the core of the WXW roster. Um, but him coming back is, is a huge deal and a real addition to the tournament. Yeah, the big thing was when he was making his announcement that he was going to be participating, that he had done everything that he needed to do in WXW, but winning 60 in Carrot was still number one on his list. And he made it to the finals back in 2015, but didn't get the job done against Tommy and Alistair Black. So 
you'd envision him at least making it to the semi-finals or finals just because what would be the point of bringing him back just to be eliminated early? Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's um, there, there, there's always the also the the political complications that kind of come along with uh, having a well, he's not even a WWE UK guy; he's just a straight up NXT guy, isn't he? Um, so, so you know, th- that's always kind of the question mark of who here can he lose to? Like maybe Volta, and then you're looking at the rest of the field, and you're like, hmm, maybe Ilya. It is probably quite a quite a limited field. So just by the nature of that, there's there's potentially limited guys he could lose to. But um, having him make a, a have to make a run in the tournament is hardly a, a burden, um, is it? He's uh, he's a great wrestler, and WXW's had enough roster turnover and enough roster growth over the time he's been gone that a lot of the matches do feel fresh for for him here. Like I would love to see him. Uh, go up against Thatcher. I think that that would be a, a tremendous match. Uh, I think their styles would mesh perfectly. Yeah, definitely. Um, and that's a big thing as well with the Ringham storyline. I suppose Thatcher playing into the fact that you know Walter and Dieter are now with you know WWE and you know they're looking after themselves and Thatcher's kind of staying loyal to Ringham and staying loyal to WXW. So to have even that story behind that match will play into the emotions and the crowd will be so invested in it. And I think that's kind of the key. Like WXW people really, really love their ring camp and Dieter Jr. means so much to them as well. So it's kind of like the old favorite in Dieter and the new favorite in Thatcher uh, knocking heads will be just, it would be surreal. And seeing how people are going to pick their sides as well, because, you know, I don't know how they're going to be able to. I don't. I know I won't be able to. Probably my two favourites in the whole field. Mm. And uh, if, if people do pick their sides, then uh, the WXW crowd's generally quite good once they've got their sides of, of making it quite known. Um, so and Bobby Guns versus Ilya match, you know, kind of displayed that quite nicely. Quite nicely. I'm sure, I don't remember anything about that match. <laughs> I was too busy shouting guns, Bobby Guns. Just a haze. And then finally, I think the last guy we haven't really given any talk to is uh, Mark Davis. And he, he won his way through uh, the London Road to 16 Carats tournament to, to qualify for this tournament. Um, he's a guy I am really high on. Um, I think he's obviously Aussie Open are a great tag team. But if you're splitting them individually, I think Mark Davis has real star potential. And every time he gets in the ring, I... I'm blown away. Um, he had a match in, in progress last year uh, with Volta for the Atlas title that was one of my favourite matches, you know, worldwide for the entire year. Um, so if if by any chance we get a rematch of that, I will be all over that one. Uh, I, w- I would love to see uh, him get a run, but obviously there's... <laughs> I've kind of said that for so many people now that obviously some of them aren't going to be able to just in the nature of the uh, single elimination tournament. But... Uh, you know that him versus Erie would be great. Him him versus Volta in a rematch would be great. Him versus Avalanche would be a lot of fun. Um, two like real bruisers just going at each other. There, there, there's a lot of matches there that I'd I'd really enjoy from him. Yeah, I think it's a testament just how good the field is, and you're looking at the names and you're like, this guy and this guy and this guy. 
But yeah, Mark Davis, um, he's really made an impression over the year, past year, coming in with Kyle, kind of getting to branch out himself and be a singles wrestler. Like even in WXW, he had a great match with Bobby Guns last year. And um, when he went on a little mini tour with WXW. So it's someone that the crowds are familiar with. And I think he's made a really good impression and had a great run to getting a spot in 16 Carat um, at the London show. So I don't foresee him going very deep in the tournament. But again, if he does, it's not going to be a big shame because there's outstanding matches up and down that field. And like I said, I think Mark Davis does have amazing star potential. And even as a singles or a tag wrestler, like either one, he impresses all the time um, as part of Aussie Open, which probably were the European tag team of the year last year. So even if, you know, they bring in Kyle over the weekend, if he doesn't go deep and have them wrestle, I don't know, for the tag titles on, you know, the, the Sunday I would not be opposed to it at all. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, I'm going to ask you to, to make the tricky choice, and it's it's perhaps harder this year than any other year. Who, who have you got winning? I'm just going to go with Timothy Thatcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think Timothy Thatcher, he has that story behind him. Um, everything kind of is paving the way for him. He's taken a few losses recently, like he lost to Ilya at the, at the road to in Bielefeld. Sounds I'm going to go right. with Bielefeld. Sounds right. We'll go uh, with it. Yeah. Uh, people can slag me for my German pronunciations under time. Um, but I think, you know, the time is right for him to win. Um, I think it would be a really positive reaction if he won. I don't think anyone would be disappointed. It's it's the kind of moment that you need. And it would probably be the icing on a cake for a great year for him. I mean, last year... We had to say goodbye of Wiedersehen to Tim after he lost the tag titles, lost in the semi-finals of Carrot. So, and then he came back to a great reception. So a year on, getting to see him win, I think is, is perfect. And it's time that he gets his ball and runs with it as a top guy in WXW. Yeah, it would, it, it would definitely be something that I, I would thoroughly enjoy to see him have that run through the tournament, and that's that's not something I would have said like for uh, whenever he was having that huge run in of Hove as champion. Like I was so down on Timothy Thatcher, and you know he he has changed his style up a lot. He's weirdly since joining up with Ring Camp, he's become far more brawly, um, and, and you know kind of added a lot more physicality into his matches as opposed to like kind of the. What I personally viewed as kind of dry grappling that he was initially known for, but since since coming over to Europe almost full time, he he's just grown and grown, and even as a character, um, just seems so much more comfortable in himself, and ha- has become definitely one of my one of my favourites for for WXW, and certainly wouldn't be disappointed to see him uh, win the tournament. I think I'm, I might be leaning towards David Starr as my pick. Well, with the, the asterisks attached that I could also easily see him going out first, ma- first round. Because, you know, what does David Starr do when he faces Volta? Well, he loses. So, of course, he's going to lose in the first round. But, you know, really what, what is so fascinating about this field is that you could make a legitimate argument for, for so many members. I think, um, 
uh, Avalanche, probably not, but there's a world where he could win. Like if if they wanted to strap the if they wanted to strap the rocket on Avalanche, it it would go brilliantly. I believe anyway. Um, I, I could see that that working out perfectly. It doesn't necessarily look like it's going that way, but there is an argument to be made. Obviously, Volta, every 16 carat he's in, he's a con- in contention to win it. At minimum, make the finals because he's just that entrenched in WXW. He's always very respected in the booking. He's, you know, he's probably their biggest star here. Looking at looking at the field, um, then you've got Ilya. Obviously, only just only just. Uh, won it two years ago. Uh, recently lost the uh, the championship, and you know has kind of that inbuilt storyline with Andy, where if he he did win the tournament, um, there'd be a natural uh, progression through through back to that feud. Dieter Junior, obviously, you talked about his whole speech about how he's done everything there is to do in WXW, other than win the tournament, win 16 carat. And that's why he's back. So, of course, there's an argument for him. You've made the argument for Thatcher. Yearn's another guy who's who's strongly pushed. I've made the argument for Star. You know, there's there's eight or nine names there that we could make an argument to to win. And that's that's always great in a in a tournament like this because it does just add that level of unpredictability. Um, and you know, even though last year the guy who we were all convinced, like, oh, yeah, it's kind of predictable this year at this point with all the guys who've gone out. David Stiles obviously winning it. Nope. Nope. They just made Absolute Andy into, you know, the centrepiece of the company for a while, and it was glorious. Uh, so you could just as easily see that with, like, Avalanche. They, they just go, no, it's your time now. We're going to flip the switch on you, and you're going to be the centrepiece of the company for a while. And he's another guy who I think that could easily carry it. I'm all in on Avalanche. I mean, the poor guy has his tag team partner injured. Then he has all these other guys come into team with him. They all leave. Emil Satoshi's nowhere to be seen after teaming with Avalanche. On the like the start of all the Road Two shows that are now like mini shotguns, his little thing is that he's on his phone. Avalanche needs a break. And why not the break be sixteen carat? Hey, I'm. I'd be into it. I'd be into it. You know, let's let's uh, let's start the petition now. Looking at some of the stuff that's been announced that isn't part of the tournament, we've got the night two main event, which we'll see the the veteran Absolute Ab- Andy defending the WXW Unified World Wrestling Championship against Bobby Guns in a match that's going to have heat off the chains. Like Andy is such an amazing heel. And everyone loves to boo him. And, you know, 16 Carat is the event where it all started for Bobby Guns uh, in terms of his popularity really, like, exploding uh, a couple of years back. And since then, it's just gone from strength to strength. And that's the the energy um, for that match is, is going to be something special. Yeah, I can't even put into words how excited I am for this match. I mean, Bobby Guns really has been the breakout star of WXW and he's now a name known to a lot of people, be it for the chant or, you know, that incredible match that he had with Ilya, which really was just a chanting match. Um, Bobby's an absolute star and I think this is really now the time all eyes are on him and to show people that he is more than just a chant like the reason why people got into him is because he's an amazing wrestler and his character is top notch 
and now is the time I think for the title to switch and Bobby going to be champion. I think he's shown he's more than ready to to be the top of the company. Um, and the fans are behind him, and I don't know what the Turbine and Hall is going to be like when he wins. I, I don't think there's any preparation that can be done. There's going to be crying. There's going to be people hugging, embracing, uh, the confetti falling down on everyone. I think it's going to be a perfect moment. And I just really hope that they go through with it. And I love Absolute Andy. Like, if he wins, like, I'll be sad. But if we get more Andy as champion and just shouting at people, calling them children and having all these good matches, then I'm not really going to give out either. Yeah, it's... uh it's it's almost a win-win, even if that there will be a, a slight level of disappointment if if Bobby doesn't um, re- reach the top. But almost that that disappointment will be the desired reaction anyway. So it's it's a win-win in that in that respect. Um, then on night three, which will probably be maybe the semi-main event, breaking up between the um, the semi-finals and the finals or, or something like that, we've got the uh, WXW Women's Championship being defended. Um, with the champion Tony Storm uh, going up against Killer Kelly, and that's that's kind of a match they've been been building for for a little bit bit now. Um, they were they were kind of going down the the whole allies and friends turned rivals um, angle for that, and uh, could be another very good match. Yeah, I mean Kelly has improved leaps and bounds, I think, this year, and you know from when she lost the title to Tony to now, she's. Just even her confidence has grown so much and getting booked in so many different places and the NXT UK contract, you know, it's, she's grown so much over the past year and I think now, now is the time for her to really have a standout match with Tony. Cause I don't think there's really one Claire Kelly match you can look back on and go, that wasn't, you know, a match to write home about. So I think now is really the time and there's no better place to do it than at 16 Garrett. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely got all the eyes on her. Um, it's a, it's a big opportunity. Um, and you know, I, it feels like she's ready to deliver that. Definitely. Um, she, she's had a lot of the, the strong character work down, a lot of good matches, but as you say, if someone asked, you know, show me the killer Kelly match that will make me a fan of her. I'm not sure I'd be able to name it right now. But hopefully this will be it. Hopefully this will be it. Nothing else is announced, I don't believe. Um, there'll be a, a plethora of, of tag matches, but obviously um, a lot of them can't be announced yet because they will be made up partially, at least, of people in the, the tournament who are yet to be knocked out yet. But it, it's sure to be a hell of a time. Our mutual friend Mike Kilby uh, put out a tweet, um, I think it was a couple of days ago now, and it said, two years ago... Bobby Guns was the guy who who really got over uh, at 16 Carat as the guy who's kind of went from an unknown to to being really popular. Last year it was Julian Pace in that role who who really got elevated. Who do you see uh, the guy being this year who who has the potential for that? Because I've got a name in mind, but I'm curious to see who you're thinking of. Oh, that's a that's a tough question. <laughs> I've put you on the spot there. Yeah. <sighs> Oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll I'll throw out mine then and and, yeah. and see your thoughts on it. I, I'm thinking Veit Muller. I think he had uh, a tremendous match with uh, Volta at uh, Dead End, was it? Yeah. Yeah, 
I, yeah, I always Jenna. get their their early year show names mixed up, but yeah, Dead End was the the February show, um, and he, you know he really he really like announced himself to me there. It was before that he was a guy who was who was doing the kind of old fashioned style, and you know he was he did a lot of things where he went, oh that's really neat, but I didn't have that like one match where I could really point to him and go, yes, he's a great wrestler and he can really adapt to to you know, the more modern styles and, and put on great matches that, you know, you need to be able to compete um, in WXW at a, at a high level these days. Um, the working standards just, you know, it's it, it rises year on year. Um, and then he had that Volta match, and now I'm fully bought in. That's, that's a tremendous match. And he managed to stay consistent to his kind of catch star roots while also fitting in perfectly with a modern Volta match and it was just magnificent and if he can bring that level of performance to um the this weekend's worth of shows then I don't see any way he doesn't get over yeah now that you mention his name there really isn't anyone else to choose from like he is the the big name ready to break out and like you said that Walter match was just absolutely perfect it was it, it's one of the Probably actually one of the best matches I've seen all year. Well, definitely in Europe anyway. Um, and even then, kind of standing up to David Starr after the match. I don't know if you saw that, the, the backstage promo. Mm-hmm. David Starr comes out afterwards and kind of stakes his claim on Walter for the 16-carat tournament. Just after the crowd were just showering uh, Muller in applause and, and cheers, saying that he is ring camp. And the the David Starr even got a bit of a boo there because he was ruining White Mother's moment. And Mother's like, why are you ruining my moment with Walter? I finally got Walter's respect and he sees me as a, you know, a great wrestler. And David Starr's like, you know, Walter's my guy. Like I'm consumed with Walter. So even that's a nice segue. You can see Muller and, and Starr having a match soon. Maybe not 16 carat, but, but definitely soon. And, He's proven that he's more than ready to have those big matches and at the upper half of the card. So there's no reason why he shouldn't break out. He, he has all the skills. And um, you know we've we, we, we've got the the positive of knowing that he's definitely going to be there because he's going to be a, a part of the uh, Ambition Ten tournament, the the, the shoot style tournament that they run on the the, the Saturday lunchtime. Um, so transitioning across to that, we've um, we've got the eight man tournament, but we've also got the um, the super fight that uh, has become somewhat of a transition recently, where they've they've taken guys who you would almost go, well, they're clearly a cut above everyone else. They've taken them out of the tournament to to kind of leave that more even. So this year we've got Timothy Thatcher and the legend Yuki Ishikawa going at it in. An absolutely wild match that I'd, I'd have never thought of, but I'm all about. Like, I can't confess to having seen an absolute ton of uh, battle arts, but what I have seen, Yuki Ishikawa was, you know, he, he was my shit. Like, I was into that. I'm not into all shoot style, but uh, he, he's a guy I'm into. And I, I'm, I'm very excited just to be able to see him live. I've no idea. I haven't seen him recently at all, so I've no idea what he's like. At, well, I think he's in his 50s now. Yeah, 52, Wikipedia was telling me. Um, so I, I've no idea what his working level is going to be, but it, seeing him go up against Thatcher in a European shoot-style environment, that's that's something I'm definitely excited for. 
And just knowing how excited Thatcher is, I'd yeah. say he's more excited for this than anything else on this weekend. Like that's going to be just great to see. You know that he's just going to have so much fun with it. He's probably just going to be smiling throughout the whole thing. And like you said, it's something that I never thought I'd get to see. Like again, I probably can't say that I'm a massive Battle Arts fan. I probably watched maybe one or two matches in my time, but like ambition. This, if it's going to happen, it's going to be an ambition style match. You know, it's going to happen at, at this show. It's, it's the perfect fit for it. And I think, you know, it's sneak, ambition is always sneakily like people's favorite show of the weekend, just for the style of wrestling that it's on. And it's a completely unique experience that you don't get anywhere else. Probably the only thing comparable is, is the blood sport shows on mainly weekend. So it's, to get this match that you know you're not going to see in anywhere else in the world is an absolute treat. Yeah, it just screams special, even to to people who aren't like like ourselves, who aren't like you know hardcore battle arts fans. <laughs> it just has that aura, and the way Tim Thatcher has spoken about it just just makes it feel so important because you can tell how important it is to him. Uh, he's spoken about it with such passion that you, you immediately just get the sense that this is this is a big deal. As for the actual tournament, we've got quite the, the eclectic mix of guys um, from all, all over Europe and beyond, really. So in the first round, they've got A-Kid going up against my guy, Chris Ridgway. Um, that's... That's a match I'm very excited for because I see them meshing extremely well. They're, they're two guys with fairly similar body types, uh, and their, their mat skills are tremendous. Um, I, I thoroughly look forward to these two guys kicking the hell out of each other. Um, and I think could, could, overall this could be a real sleeper pick for the weekend. Yeah, I think it's really a shame that they're against each other in the first round because I suppose we'd probably be more familiar with with them than the German crowd. Mm-hmm. But um I'm so happy to see them getting a shot. Like I know Ridgeway was actually there over the weekend of Sixteen Carrot last year. Yeah. Um and I always remember him like tweeting after seeing Ambition, like, oh my God, like there needs to be more shows like this. I need to be a part of Ambition and to see that kind of finally come to fruition is amazing. It's it's a perfect fit for him and I couldn't be happier and Obviously, A-Kid, of course, after his five-star match with Zack Sabre Jr., you know, this is a place for him to shine, and I think the crowd are going to be very receptive for this match. I definitely hope so. I definitely hope so. And I think the winner of that one immediately becomes, you know, someone who somewhat of a favourite, although I think perhaps Vite Muller is, is probably the, the, the clear outstanding guy who you would think they would might want to give the win to but um ambition's always an unpredictable one because it's kind of it's kind of weirdly half canon because obviously it's it's a weird dynamic to to explain in in kayfabe that they they have these wrestling matches that they take seriously but then they also do the real stuff <laughs> in ambition <laughs> it's it's a hard one to explain um so as such it's kind of it's in canon but it's not fully in canon um so that kind of leads to the the eventual winner always being a bit more up in the air but it's uh which in some ways just makes it more interesting because any guy could win at any point and any match can end on almost any move so you're constantly on your toes second first round match we have uh istria who i confess i have never heard of before so i may be completely butchering that uh butchering that name um going up against danny jones um 
Do you know who Istria is? Um, no, uh, <laughs> I'm really bad that I don't. But uh, it, it goes to show that they're really branching out for this tournament, though, picking people from all corners of the globe that are not just going with your kind of predictables. He looks slightly like a, a bad core of Tyler Bate in this picture. <laughs> uh, he's got that, that uh, muscular upper body that looks like it's on a fairly short frame, but who knows? He could be like seven foot and that's just the picture. Um, I'm, I'm interested to see what he's like, though. I'm, I'm, I'm open to discovery there. Um, <laughs> moving swiftly on because our analysis of that one, uh, you know, perhaps leaves something to... To, to be desired. Um, we've got Veit Muller going up against someone who at this point is probably best known to our audience as the uh, WXW's, one of WXW's English commentators, uh, Rico Bushido. Um, this was a wild one to see him uh, return to the ring. Yeah, I did not expect Rico to be announced for this tournament. I thought he's closing the book on participating, but obviously he's kind of Wanted to get his teeth sunk back into it. And yeah, a lot of people probably won't even know that, like, that's his background. Like, people won't know that he actually is a competitor. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, like, entirely clued up, but I'm, I feel fairly confident in saying he's got quite a, quite a uh, deep martial arts background. I think that's right. Um, I think, I think so. And he's gone pretty deep in ambition before. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, I, th- Possibly even, I need to check, could have won it before. We, we've picked a bad time to record because cage match is down, so our, our ability to check these these statements is significantly um, reduced. It's it, it's only until, it's only when you, it's only when cage match goes down that you realise just how much you rely on it. <laughs> it's uh, the the resource that, uh, that uh, probably doesn't get enough praise for how useful it is. Uh, especially for deep wrestling nerds like us, um, but yeah, I, I hope I hope Muller wins here because um, as we've kind of already gone over, I think this weekend could be a real start of a start of a, a star really rising there, and him going deep in ambition could could be a big part of that. Yeah, and following in Timothy Thatcher's footsteps, it'd be a nice little nice little story. Mm-hmm. And then finally, we've got Lawrence Roman versus Shigehiro Irii. I'm very intrigued by the thought of um, Irii in a shoot-style environment. That's It's not something I'm entirely sure how it's going to play out, but I want to see it. I'm just worried that we're just going to see a splattered raccoon everywhere, to be quite <laughs> honest. I'm very concerned for Lawrence Roman in this. I'd, he could easily impress us and go the other way but um yeah it's gonna be really interesting i think that's just one like let's just get him on every single card Irie, mm-hmm. get him on everything because he's so good um and it's nice to see the raccoon again and the, and the great entrance theme yeah he's he's not someone that immediately screams shoot style is he but um it, it'll be, it'd be an interesting one to to see his introduction and then other than that, the, the last two matches that have been announced are both for the Inner Circle show that we, we mentioned earlier taking place at the Academy. Um, and the main event of that, what I believe has been going to be the main event, I'm not sure if they've officially announced it, but um, Volta and Timothy Thatcher representing Ring Camp going up against Shigehiro Iri and Yuki Ishikawa. Um, 
that's going to be a hell of a way to kick off the weekend. Yeah, I always remember Taz saying that, look out for Inner Circle, that there's going to be some matches on this show that are going to be very special. And I can only assume that he was talking about this match. And yeah, again, like that's something that I never thought I'd get to see. And it's in that intimate setting, the people that are there, it's going to feel very important and very special that we got to witness that in a a very small room in the middle of Essen. Yeah, it's going to be gloriously hard-hitting, is is my expectation for this one. There's going to be a lot of stiff strikes, a lot of clotheslines, um, or lariats even, um, a lot of big guys smashing into each other in a confined space, and it's it's going to be wonderful. Um, uh, I also think we might see more of a uh, a mean streak come out from from Erie in that one. What we're being teamed up with with Ishikawa, which is always my my favourite version of Erie when he when he does like get a little bit annoyed and, and goes all out and you know the smile shockingly disappears from the face and it's it, he, he's going all out, um, leaning into that mean streak and I, I can't think of a better. Better pairing for for the two of them to go up against than the Renkamp team. Yeah, you couldn't have said it any better. That's exactly my sentiments on this. And then the other match uh, announcer in a circle, we've got uh, Ilya Dragunov going up against Mark Davis in a match like I'd never thought of before, but I can see these two guys uh, gelling very well. Um, Ilya's an interesting one. I don't. He could have been at uh, an inner circle before, but I don't recall him being there. Do you? No, I don't think so. Usually he just comes in mm-hmm. for the tournaments. Maybe that's kind of a, a result of, I think he's, I think I'm right in saying he's he's making the transition or has recently made the transition to wrestling full-time. I'm not 100% sure because he's quite a private person. Um, but, that you know, it's an extra day off work you have to take if you are working full-time to, to work a, a Thursday show. It's going to be interesting seeing Ilya in that confined environment, and I'm not entirely sure how it's going to work because he is a guy who he proje- he projects so huge, and like the, the turban haller is perfect for him with all the the huge um, production values and the big screen and the the music just booming and everyone going wild for him. How's that going to translate to you know like a <laughs> a, a glorified shed um, in in Essen? Uh, that can just about hold a ring, um, him coming from, like, a door and, and taking two steps to the ring. How is that going to translate? But um, it, it's definitely something intriguing to see how he does translate to that kind of more intimate environment. And it might be the last time we see him in, in such an intimate environment if um, the, the WWE links do accelerate from, from here onwards. Yeah, he's not the type of guy I see kind of taking a step back and relaxing like Timothy Thatcher coming out to a David Hasselhoff song. Like, I just can't envision him, him not being 100% intense Ilya. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is going to be weird to see him, but we are very, very fortunate that we are. I mean, didn't he just make his debut on NXT tapings? Was it in a dark match? I believe so, um, yeah. So, like you said, we don't know what the future is going to be hold, and to be one of the lucky few to see him in this, and I think against you know Mark Davis, it's going to be an incredible match. 
I think they're going to, excuse my language, chop the shit out of each other. Because <laughs> that's the only expression you can use. It, it's going to be outstanding and good for Mark Davis getting that getting that match with him. I think it, it's a good one to have in an inner circle show. It's It's not one that springs to mind, like you said, but it's going to be good. Definitely, definitely. Um, and that, there'll be a bunch more matches in, um, that, that take place on that show unannounced. And there's there's always a wonderful mix at uh, Inner Circle. Like half of it will be um, like the main event where it's just big guys, big names, like stiffing each other in a enclosed environment. And then the other half is like some some really intimate comedy matches and it's always a wonderful blend for, for, for that show. And it's, it's a special environment that's very different to uh, the actual tournament shows, but like almost equally as good. It's, um, it's always a great way to kick off the, the, the weekend. And it's often a, a place where you see um, someone who they really have in mind that they want to get over during the, the entire weekend. It's, it, often starts at the inner circle so it's it's worth keeping an eye on definitely um so now we've we've run through everything announced um i'd be rem- it would be remiss of me to to have you on the show and completely ignore uh your 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 baby in the the Oberhausen open yeah god yeah that big old thing that's going to happen on friday night it's it's grown from something so small from you know, the early days was it's just me, maybe a handful of people just going over on Friday night because they just wanted something to do to, I think we're going to have about 130 people, 140 people playing on <laughs> Friday night plus attendees. So, um, yeah, it's Sarah Porel, Sarah Classic has kind of been instrumental in, in getting this up and running this time. Um, and I've just kind of, Stayed on the sidelines, I won't lie. Just kind of, I'm like, yeah, I'll just get the, these medals. I'll just, you know, take the money. <laughs> um, you know, I'll be the, I'll be the banker for this one. But, uh, yeah, it, it's something very special. And I think the big thing was WXW was all about the fans and, you know, all those interactions and just getting to know people a bit more and letting, you know, mixing in with people you've never met before and just experiencing all these new things. So, I think it's going to be really good on Friday night and obviously all are welcome to come if they're going over for Oberhausen and it's, and it's your first time. I mean, it's a great opportunity to, to meet other fans and just have a great old time and seeing some wrestlers bowl and seeing them bowl fans down lanes. And it's officially on the, the, the schedule this year, which is exciting. Um, although it does, does make certain people absolutely furious for reasons that I don't entirely understand, but, uh. Yeah, I don't understand other people's reasonings for thinking otherwise either. I don't think it's something that we'd lie about. I mean, like, if people think that do we actually be running it, then great. It means that it's being run really well. <laughs> um, I, like, I found out that it was on the official tournament schedule whilst I was actually participating in a tournament myself, so. Uh, it was kind of just like nice, nice of the worlds coming together, meaning as one. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it's going to be nice. And the fact that it's on the schedule. So people who may not know who we are or may not know that it was even running, they get to know about it because we don't want it to just be, you know, a small group of English and Irish fans that just happen to know each other. I mean, I think it's, it's pretty ignorant of us just leave as that, you know, getting, you know, 
the German fans involved and you know it's we're kind of invading their their weekend so they should be able to be a part of everything that's going to be on over the weekend yeah i i would love to see like more of the the german guys and and girls like get in get involved in in these sort of things cuz i think the the paranoid part of my brain at these weekends always does kind of worry like what do they think about like the the as you put it almost invasion in the way we've we've slowly gone from having like 10 or 20 if that even uh people go over for the weekend to now it's you know it's probably verging on double figures at this point uh sorry triple figures at this point um i you do kind of wonder like how do they feel about um us coming over and hopefully they don't think we're like taking over their weekend but um there is a part in the back of my mind that the paranoid part that always worries about that sort of thing so it would be awesome to see like it become um a way of kind of increasing the the um the integration between the the two parties that that sometimes do feel a little bit separated but yeah definitely definitely looking forward to it can't actually participate myself due to awful shoulders that just dislocate at on to whim but i will definitely be there um cheering people on i uh i had a whale of a time at the first one and if anyone's on the fence i i entirely recommend checking that out yeah is there anything else that i i've missed that you you want to want to mention about the the whole weekend before before we move on i mean there is the infamous after party that i think always needs to get a bit of a shout out you don't know who you'll end up talking to what you'll end up singing on karaoke, what sort of, you know, gossip that you're going to get. I think it's always kind of a fun part of the weekend. And <laughs> it's something that other companies try, but I don't think they execute as successfully as WXW do. I mean, you have to buy your ticket and it's, I don't know where they're moving it this year because they're selling way more tickets um to the after party. Usually it's just in a, in a little room and then it's spread out to the, to the back of the turbine and holler but i think it's a great experience like you could end up singing arm and arm with some wrestlers singing i don't know journey or something in karaoke or you could be out the back gathered around a particular wrestler listening to some stories and i think it's a great experience yeah you you'll never know what you'll be witness to it's uh sometimes eye-opening um usually in a good way usually um Always fun though, always fun though. So that's that's um, the entire carrot weekend covered. That will be taking place between the the seventh and tenth of March. So not long now, um, excitingly close. Um, we'll we'll have a a live episode going from there. If you are heading to Germany and want to attend the podcast marathon, which is taking place on the Friday, then uh, I believe tickets are on sale at WXW. Um, hyphen wrestling.com um, if you want to be a witness to our, our first live show moving on to a show that that's happened recently um, and that you were fortunate enough to be in attendance for um, because it sounded like one hell of a show um, OCT had their their big homecoming two show in February 17th I think yeah February yes. 17th that, that had a hell of a card and was weirdly set out um due to people flying out like midway through cards and stuff in the a lot of it felt like the the card was almost backwards but but going into the show the 
the, the there was a lot of hype surrounding uh, the Jordan Devlin and David Starr match due to um, how wonderful a job they've done with that whole feud and how wonderful the video package was for it. There was a lot of excitement surrounding um, Pack and Volta heading off against each other. Full disclosure, I had fully intended to watch this show before recording. I, when we set the time of that we were going to do this recording, I was expecting to have watched it, and then, you know, life got in the way, and I didn't. So... It's going to be more of me uh, asking you how it is rather than discussing it. But, uh, yeah, overall thoughts on this show. How, how, how enjoyable was it? Because on paper it looked tremendous. Yeah, it, it, the show was outstanding. Like the first thing was it, it took place in a brand new venue for OTT in the, in the National Basketball Arena in Tallow, which isn't probably the easiest venue to get to if you're, you know, not living near it, you know, you'll have to get taxis in town and stuff, but that did not deter people from attending. I mean, this place was absolutely packed. Um, you know, 1500 people and the production values for one, that was the first thing that sprung to mind and it really did feel big time. And there wasn't even any, you know, introductions for the, the two commentators, Angus and, and Tony Kelly. They just went straight into playing the Devlin and David Starr video package. And then straight into the match. It, it was really all happened that quick. And people were just frantically running back to their seats. You know, like, first of all, why is it starting this quick? Second of all, why the hell is the first match Jordan Devlin against David Starr? This should be the main event. But um I think that nearly kind of helped the crowd. The crowd were so alive um for this. And as they, they brawled to uh, We Belong because... David Starr comes out to the theme that they first came out together in in June for uh, a Haven for Monsters when they're going to go up against Walter and, and Loki wearing their the best friend shirt that they had made up to sell that show. I mean, like if there's anything to be said about David Starr is that he his acting and the way he just interlaces all these little things from all these you know parts of the feud. He was absolutely perfect. He was absolutely perfect this night um, against Jordan Devlin. Every little thing he did, he even had an Irish word for loyalty um, put onto his put onto his gear for this show. I'm not even going to attempt to pronounce it, even though I'm Irish. I can't speak speak the language very well. Um, but yeah, this match. I know you haven't watched it yet, but definitely do after we finish recording because. It lived up to the hype and then some for me, uh, even the match type. And they kind of played into the little, you know, tropes that you'd see from other feuds, like even like your Gargano's Champas, but it wasn't cringy. It was, it was perfectly well done. So something with, with Star is we've talked about how amazing a babyface he is in WXW. Uh, in the past, we we talk a lot about um, his character in Rev Pro and how how excellent he he's kind of developed his heel persona over there. And then in OTT, it's almost a third completely distinct character. And all of them, you know, they are all David Starr, and they all have share very common traits. And it's believe, obviously, it, it it feels like a consistent character, but in very different environments. And it's it's wonderful how how he manages to vary it by audience and every time absolutely nail the exact like um aura that he's going for it's 
his character work is right up there. Um, and I think that that sometimes gets lost just because a lot of people see him as a, an indie guy who has great matches and don't necessarily pay attention that when he's a guy who's, you know, focused on in a company, he delivers in every respect. Yeah, like you're getting your money's worth from David Starr. Like if you invest in him, he will invest in you 110%. And that's definitely what he did here. Like his acting was so good, I think, in that promo video that if if you weren't so biased towards Jordan Zeldin, you could probably watch it and go, actually, he, he is a fair point here. You know, like you you can see where he's going from. Like all the points he's making are valid, but Jordan Devlin is the ace of OTT. He is the guy, and if you slight him, you slight the fifteen hundred people that are in attendance. And like it, like Jordan just lived up to it so well. Like he came out all guns blazing, and Jordan Devlin's still on that role that he was on from. 2018 with putting on outstanding matches and uh, this match was needed he needed that buffer in between facing Walter again and David's this little mini feud with David Starr then playing into that whole thing was was perfect and now you can see that he's fully ready to take on Walter again his focus is clear and he that's been put aside now yeah it's often a very difficult thing to do have a guy lose a title get distracted with another feud for a little bit and then go back to the same guy and, and defeat him back for the title, which I think most people probably presume is what's going to happen. And that's obviously often so difficult to do because the the distraction part of it can often feel contrived and just like they're, they're waiting it out or him going straight back to the title and winning it kind of feels like, oh, well, what was the whole point of the other guy's um, title run in in the middle there? That's not happened at all here. Everything's felt so natural. The whole story has progressed entirely logically and, and so satisfyingly. And just by having that David Starr feud, he now really feels ready to go back at Volta um, with like renewed vigor. It's, it, it, you know, my hat's off to, to the way they've they've handled the transition. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think anyone can really fault the booking of, of this uh of this feud and I mean once that match ended everyone booed Star and I suppose half applauded him, half booed him and we're like, okay, well that's over. What do we have next? And it was it was Ilya Dragonoff against Shigehiro Irie and I think I probably gave myself a bit of headache just screaming so loudly. I was like, I need a break. Like, why are you giving this to us so quickly? And it obviously then became quite clear where they were, but um for this one, Ilya has only ever made one other appearance in OTT. He appeared on a, a Belfast show in, in December and was up against Irie, who's, who's never appeared for OTT. And I was really, not worried, but I was really wondering how the crowd were going to react to this. And putting them after Devlin Star was, you know, going to be a mean feat for them to get over that. But I think as the crowd got a bit more comfortable with both of them and there's a lot of people in the crowd that were familiar with Dragunov and you could hear them shouting for Umbazigbar. But uh, th- this match was a sleeper match of the night, I think, because it was sandwiched in the kind of the two blockbuster ones. Um, it was so hard hitting. I mean, these two just beat the crap out of each other and it was outstanding to watch. It, it was a perfect match for the two of them. 
that's that's good to hear and definitely one I'm I'm interested in checking out. It is, it is weird looking at this card and like the the page we're looking at it on. It almost looks like the main event is is top. It is is a very strange order. It must have been a a weird environment to be in, but uh, ultimately. You know, it, it sounds like it delivered. Next match, um, you had Pac taking on Volta. Now, Pac's a guy who had been a lot of discussion around, p- particularly for his recent um, high-stakes match against Osprey, which ended up being, like, mired in, you know, a interference, a, a blatant low blow in front of the referee that the referee decided not to call a DQ on. Um, a time limit draw, and it you know it, it kind of left a bit of a bad taste in the mouth. Um, despite the actual action that happened being very good, what pack did we did you get there in uh, at homecoming? I have to. We were so lucky with the pack we got. He came out to a thunderous reception, and he was all go from the bell, and I think we all kind of breathe a sigh of relief when we saw that because I suppose there was some kind of doubts going into it purely because you know you, a lot of us had seen what he's done so far in the indie scene and I suppose some of our fears were kind of put to bed after we saw the KZ match in Dragon Gate and we'd heard that the, the Osprey match was, was good up until the interferences from like two nights before but he went above and beyond and I think everyone has seen the pictures now of his uh the, the the ugly finger bends that happened during this match and he popped them back into place and just kept going like that happened quite early on and it was what was needed because Walter's the biggest heel and he was an absolute you know dick like kicking his belt around before the match and showing complete disrespect to to the company so Pat being anything else other than the baby face. Obviously, he was still the bastard pack, and people were cheering on the bastard. But he was absolutely, absolutely incredible. And obviously, this ended by disqualification with with Walter getting himself disqualified. But the way the story played out, we knew that it was going to have to happen to have a bit of a dusty finish. But it was really well done, and definitely didn't mar the match at all. That's that's good to hear. Good to hear. Um, the next kind of high-profile match that, that took place was was midway through the card, and that was uh, Will Ospreay team with Scotty Davis versus uh, Besties in the World. And going into this match, um, I talked with Lee a bit, and we were both kind of seeing it as a, a real opportunity for, for Davis to really shine, um, and almost by association with Ospreay, but also just... You know, going up against um, Fitcher, he could definitely have some some great sequences there. Uh, and this was, we were really thinking this was going to be a real opportunity for him to kind of further his claim that he's like the, the next in line to to take over the kind of Irish ace role. Um, how did it end up playing out? It ended up playing out exactly like you predicted because he did absolutely shine in this match. Um, Scotty Davis is 18 years old and yeah he looks 18 but the way he wrestles he definitely does not wrestle like an 18 year old he wrestles like an absolute veteran in the ring he is just so smooth his transitions are perfect and nothing seems to phase him and it didn't phase him in this match at all he was just all guns blazing and even his timing like Will Ospreay is one of the best in the world but 
you know, if people didn't know Scotty Davis, they'd probably look and go like, why is Will Ospreay teaming with this, with this nobody? But to us, we know how special Scotty Davis is and it was incredible to see it. And I, to be honest, I wasn't too familiar with the besties before going into this. I'd kind of known them as just an entrance, to be quite honest, but they were the perfect pair for Scotty to break out against. And he was the star of this match. Like he got, he got the pin. Um, which was so cool to see. And Osprey gets on the mic afterwards and goes on to say, like, Scotty is our guy. Scotty's going to be the future of Irish wrestling. That He's going to be one of the best juniors in the world in the next five years, which is, is, is a bold claim, but a claim that I think is pretty true if he keeps going on this path. And it's a shame that we won't get to see Scotty Davis against Will Osprey at the next show. But Osprey gave Davis the news that whilst he won't be against Osprey, he'll be against Jushin Thunder Liger. So, I mean, that's a once in a lifetime match, and Scotty is well deserving of that, and that's definitely going to be one I hope that spreads around the world and blows up. Yeah, not a bad replacement, is it? Not not, not too shabby. Not too shabby. So, uh,. Kind of the next next highlighted match uh, saw you take on Raven Creed for the OTT Women's Championship, and you know whenever whenever Raven Creed comes up, I always think back to the her initial title win and just how brilliant she managed to foster a crowd connection um, from you know relatively you know she wasn't there for a, for a million years and it wasn't like the the women at that point in time were getting like heavy heavy focus. And the connection she managed to foster with the crowd was very impressive. Did that did that continue here? Yeah, definitely. The the crowd absolutely adores Raven from someone who went from being you know the, probably the biggest heel in the company to the biggest face. Um, the reception she got was absolutely standing. Just unfortunately, this match definitely got cut to time constraints. Um, the finish came out of nowhere and. We we didn't get to see either woman at their best. I mean, you was her first match in OTT didn't really get to show fully what she's made of at all, and you know it's it's a shame because I think if that got even an extra, you know, four three or four minutes, it could have been a bit something a bit more meaty and something the crowd could sink their teeth into. But you know, blink of an eye and it was over. Unfortunately, that's a shame. It's a shame. And then finally, in what did end up being the main event, um, which is a match that very few people would have expected to be the main event at the beginning of the show. Although, I guess looking back, being that it's a cage match and these things take time to set up and take down, it does make a degree of sense. Um, the Kings of the North took on um, the lads from the flats and Martina. How how, how did this turn out in the end? Um, I, I'm going to be honest, and this is coming from me but I'll go into the actual match I'm not a big fan of of cage matches especially ones laid out like this it was a escape, escape rules match so mm-hmm. obviously you know the first team to escape the cage wins and I think in this scenario it didn't really make a lot of sense I don't know why you'd want to leave your partners to fend for themselves in the ring but um, it was it was you know really 
everything you'd expect from a Kings of the North, the Lands from the Flats, uh, cage match, like lots of gimmicks and lots of, you know, there's tables involved and tacks and lots of just flinging into the cage and some crazy spots from the top of the cage. And, um, Paddy M was probably the star of this match. Like he is in most matches that he's in. He's just a great worker and somebody you can always count on. And Martina definitely showcased that, you know, when she's on her game and when she's not being a character, when she's actually putting her mind to it is, is, she was quite good and took some heavy blows. I mean, she had, went head first right into the cage and the, just the smack that it made was nearly unsettling. Um, but I actually was quite surprised to see the Kings retain. I thought maybe it was time for them, you know, for the title reign to end because I don't really see what's next for them. I mean, they don't have a match for Scrapper Mania announced and a new match, a four-way tag World Cup match was was announced uh, just a few days ago with uh, some great participants like Lads from the Flats and Helico, Ray Horace, Ozzy Open and uh, how have I forgotten the last team? Oh, I need to go back and find this. The besties, was it? Yes, and the and the besties in the world. So like the Kings are missing out on a, on a big match like that. Uh, like they either get Mustache Mountain or they get someone as equally high profile because they faced every team in OTT and they've done everything that there is. I, d- I don't know what the future holds for them. Yeah, it, it is a weird one because you, you kind of haven't, you haven't got that, that kind of second team to really come up and, and challenge them. Like lads from the flats have kind of been that, but they've always kind of, felt like they're on a lower level. They they may get the occasional win up against them, but at the end of the day, Kings of the North are the guys that are, are always going to be more focused in the company. And they've done that feud on and off for so long now that it's kind of, well, what, what is next? Um, and maybe you were people a few, few um, well, maybe people a year ago would have said, well, by now more than hype would have, would have got to that point. But they haven't necessarily picked up the wins that would make you think they're necessarily obviously going in that direction. Um, they've obviously already had the the big feud with the Rapture at the beginning of last year. So if they went back to that, it would feel a bit of a retread. Yeah, it's it's an interesting one to see where they go. Um, they might always just stall for a while with lots of imports coming in and challenging them um, until they do manage to build up another team to really go up against them but it, it's it's a definite question mark yeah yeah like like more than hype are definitely like they're on a massive losing streak at the moment they lost again at, at homecoming and they have a big match now against the rapture at scrapper mania so if they're going to build a team it has to be them getting a win on on the biggest show of the year and going from strength to strength like i know that they're very very young but I think strike while the iron's hot and, and get the titles on them and see what they can do. I mean, there's no harm. So, so we've run through most of the uh, the big matches um, there, but uh, I've got I've got one question that that, that I feel needs asking, and uh, that's was there a hesitation drop kick on this show? No, oh. no, there wasn't. Isn't that just like the worst? That's I- disappointing. 
I I was I've been let down so many times. Like Raven Creed does a he- nice hesitation drop kick. Nathan Martin does a nice hesitation drop kick. I was expecting a kid to do one on the last contender show I went to. Again, nothing. So just being let down. The wait on every show I go. To. Now, we we've kind of skimmed over uh, some of the the uh, the less hype match going less hyped matches going into this one. Was there anything there that, that really needs talking about? Um, in in terms of actual match quality, I, I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, other than I think Charlie Sterling is someone that needs to be talked about a lot more. I mean, he's put in a comedy role here with uh, the anti-fun police and excelled in it just amazingly well. He's He's so good in the ring and so good at the comedy tropes, but also, as part of the rapture, he's very, very good at being part of that big heel team. And I think he's someone, if, you know, things come into play with contracts and people having obligations to other tournaments, Charlie Sterling is a guy that OTT can lean on and other companies, I feel like, should be because he is very, very good and has a great, great look as well. Yeah, he, he's a weird one because he... A few years ago, he was a, a regular in Rev Pro. Uh, he'd be showing up quite a lot of, across a lot of the Southern Indies, and now it feels like, as a British guy, the only work you see him doing is over in OTT in Ireland. It's it's an interesting one, I and mean, definitely kind of a he's become an untapped source um, somewhat across Britress. And as you say, if if uh, contracts do proceed to get tighter and tighter, he's uh, a guy people could lean on definitely. Right, I uh, I think that that about draws us to a close for this this one. Um, thank you so much for coming on. Um, I <laughs> I needed someone to uh, to guest after Arm's computer came da- uh, broke down, and uh, you have more than filled his shoes. So thank you so much for that. No problem at all. Uh, I hope Aaron's computer does start working again soon. It's a shame to hear. I think it's. You know, any wrestling fan's biggest, you know, fear is their computer just completely shutting down and not being able to get access to all the lovely shows and resources that are online. It's it's a real problem these days because if you're out of the loop for like a week, you may, it may as well be like a year. You're catching up is near on impossible. It's uh, you know, it's a, a deluge of content for both the good and the bad. Um, in terms of plugs, I know you have a mul- multiple podcasts to, to go for now, so plug away. We'll I'll plug all of them. So you can follow uh, The Two Sarahs at The Two Sarahs on Twitter. Uh, that's also on the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. And then you can also follow uh, Gorilla Island, which is something a bit different. It's a... Uh, we're recapping uh, every PWG show from start to the end. Um, and, you know, we're only getting started on that one. But it's it's in a lot of fun and definitely uh, the quality is a bit different to what we're used to nowadays. And you can follow then me at my personal account at Sarah Flan, which, uh, you know, lots of great, great content on there. If you want to, to follow... This podcast on Twitter, uh, you can follow at BritRest Round, B-R-I-T-W-R-E-S, Round, the word. And 
You can also read a, you know, I'll, I'll go with the word again, a deluge of content in surrounding BritRest in terms, including previews of the upcoming ICW Square Go by Andrew Sinclair. Uh, we're going to have a, I think he's going to have a review of that by the time this goes up. We'll probably have some written previews for, for 16 Carat coming up uh, relatively soon. So if we haven't sated your appetite for, for that big tournament yet, you can go over to VoicesWrestling.com for all your European wrestling and, you know, worldwide wrestling goodness. Uh, thanks, everybody, for listening and goodbye. Goodbye.